Thank you for your obedience. And thank you, Pastor, again. And I just honor you and Sister Carolyn and for your obedience to the Lord. And the, being over the shepherd of this house, thank God for you. The pastor is a gift from the Lord. Amen. So if he walks around here like he thinks he's God's gift, just know that he is. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. That's easy. We got Bible to prove it, don't we, Pastor? Amen. Praise God. No, I thank you for he definitely is a man that leads in humility and gentleness, but he's strong. I can tell you, and that's a, that's a great um, uh, attributes to have, to lead God's people. And so I want to just honor them tonight. And so if you have your Bible, the final night, I've been encouraged to preach fast tonight. And uh, boy, I got lots of I got lots of memos coming in tonight. You know how it goes. You get <laughs> you get you get some, and I won't say the sources, you know. But you know, everybody likes to put in their requests. So I'm doing my best to 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 just meet the demands of the house. So I'm going to preach fast tonight, and uh, God to help me in this house. It's been a wonderful meeting, in my opinion. I just believe the Lord to just add his blessing to the word here tonight. Acts chapter number 5. I'm going to read in verses 17 through 20 tonight. And ask the Lord to just speak to our heart. As I have every single night believed and trusted him to do that. Acts chapter 5 verse number 17. The Bible says, Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people. All the words of this life. Everybody say all with me. All the words of this life. Amen. I'm going to preach to you under this thought tonight. Breaking free from the common prison. Breaking free from the common prison. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for this opportunity to gather again. And Lord, help us not to take for granted moments like these. You're not here to waste our time. God, you're here to do an eternal work in every heart. Lord, help us to guard against the temptation of going just through the motions of life. Lord, our bodies may be weary. God, our minds may even be fatigued. But I pray that tonight that our spirit man would rise up, Lord, and that we would live out of the strength of that spirit man. Let the word have free course. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Confirm it with signs following. And we'll give you all the praise for it because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church said amen. And then you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Preaching to you under this thought tonight of breaking free from the common prison. I want to say that what I have experienced in my travel in the ministry and especially as an evangelist is that I've found even in my personal walk with the Lord and just being a part of the body of Christ and in the church for the number of years that I now have been, I have found out that there are too many people that are going to live this Christian life and they're going to continue on without ever fully accessing everything that God wants them to access. I have found that church service after church service that there are too many people that go to church and they never fully enter in to what God wants them to enter into. And I tell you that that is not the design of God for your life. Because God offers to us not just life, but abundant life. He doesn't just tell us to have that he's going to give us life Jesus said I'll give you life abundantly that word life abundantly there actually means in the sense the sense of something beyond it means super abundant it means uh, you know that the ex, super extra there but there is a, a little clause there when you study that word out that says in the sense of something beyond that tells me that there is something more for us to 
to obtain. You know you probably have those moments in your life where you said, I just have a sense that there is something more than what I'm experiencing currently in my walk with the Lord. Well, the good news for you tonight is there is more. Can you shout hallelujah? And I want you to know that I have seen the fact that so many people are coming in and out of the church without fully accessing what Jesus really wants them to have. I believe that there is a victory that is beyond any beyond anything that we have yet to experience in the Pentecostal church, at least in my lifetime. I believe that there is an increase of God. You might call it an ultimate victory. It's something that we can possess as an individual and even as a church corporately when we're willing to meet the criteria of the Word of God. There's an ultimate victory awaiting the church that will get in agreement with what the Bible says. A lot of times we wonder why things are not working certain ways in our life. And I believe if we go to the Lord, what we'll find out from Him is a question back to us asking us, well, why are you not living according to my word? Because if you operate according to the dictates of my word, then you will find the promises of my word to be right and real in your life. Now, I know that we have had glimpses of real heavenly experiences. We've had times of people breaking through individually in our churches. We've experienced some of that even here this week. Various ones that have really pressed in. Various ones that have broken through into places in the Lord that they may have never been before or maybe they just haven't been there before in in, in a long time. But I want you to know that God has something more for us than just individual breakthrough every now and again. God doesn't want just individual breakthrough. God wants corporate breakthrough. God wants a whole breakthrough. He doesn't just want one person to enter in tonight. He doesn't want just the young people to get a breakthrough. He wants all of us to break through Him to access all that's available in that heavenly realm. And the Bible says that he has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. You say, Brother Jeremy, do you really believe that it's possible for the entire church to break out in a revival and begin to flow in the God-ordained purpose for their life? You better believe I do. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be preaching to you here tonight. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't pack my suitcase up for another the revival. But I promise you that I do have in my heart a knowing by the word of God that it's possible for all of us to break through into real heavenly life and experience. Acts chapter 2 would be the criteria for this, for this uh, principle here. And we know that in Acts chapter 2 it was a miracle of miracles. Because what you have there is 120 people gathered gathered in one place at the same time and at that place where they were not only were they there at the same time but they were after the same thing and they were after it in the same way you might just brush over that as not something very special or something significant but I want you to know that that is highly significant and important for us to know that what I'm saying to us tonight is there wasn't one person in that upper room of Jerusalem that was thinking about anything else than other what God was wanting them to access. There wasn't anybody making out their list to Walmart or thinking what they had to do the next day. There wasn't anybody that was distracted by side issues. They were there in one mind. They were there in one accord. Men and women alike. They wasn't there disputing about what songs they were going to sing. They were 
wasn't there disputing about how things were to go that night. They were simply there with a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. And they were there looking for something. They were after the promise of the Father in which Jesus said he would give to them. Every single one of them. Same place, same time, wanting the same thing in the same way. And you know what happened that day? They received it, brother. I said they received it. Oh, that God could get us back in one mind again to where when we come to the house of God that we're after the same thing. Lord, we're looking for you. We're asking you to pour your spirit out. We don't want to leave the same way. We want to meet God. Friend, listen, the hour is late. And if there was ever a time to access everything that God wanted us to access, it's right now. And it might be Wednesday night. And we may have been here for the fifth service in a row. And our days may have been plagued with a lot of burdens and responsibilities. But we have to learn to put those things to the side and say, Lord, I may be going through it. I may be tired tonight. My body may be given out. My mind may be trying to be occupied with other things. But I'm going to push that stuff to the side for enough time to give you an opportunity to work. We can't afford to waste any opportunity, saint. We must enter in in the presence of God. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You see, what they received that day would change not only their world, but re- not only religion, but their world forever. You see, when that river began to flow in that upper room, it flowed not only just into that vessel, but it flowed out of that vessel. And what came out of that upper room was something, something completely out of the Holy Ghost. I want you to listen to me now. There was nothing of individual thought nor idea. The movements that they, that they moved in were not worldly movements. Their languages were not earthly. They were heavenly languages. When they came out they were not seeking to be powerful preachers and singers but they came out wanting to reach their world. They wasn't trying to be clever. They wasn't trying to come up with new ideas or catchy phrases to say. They just came out with the obedience to the command of Jesus. Go and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and what came out of that upper room moved some people to God and it moved some people away from God because they were rejected because what they had was beyond the status quo but it changed religion forever brother it wasn't just a high priest going in anymore Everyone could be filled with the Holy Ghost. Everyone could access God. And I want you to know something tonight. When that river really gets to flowing in that house, it's going to move you into the flow or it's going to move you out of the flow. But I tell you one thing, it's going to put you on one side of it or the other. That's what the river does. You can't sit stagnant when a river really flows. You can't be religious when there's a real flow of the river. You see, you, that, that can only take, that, that river flows, it moves everything that's not God out of the way. It moves all the trash out of our life. It moves all the carnality. It moves all the flesh out of the way. And that river continues to flow. I remember I told the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I'm preaching the word of God. I'm continually preaching this word. And, and I said, Lord, now your, your word says that your word does not return void. I said, but it accomplishes what you sent for it to do. But I said, it sure don't look like it's working. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, they ain't changing. 
they ain't, they ain't doing nothing different what they've been doing. It just ain't happening. And the Lord began to open my eyes and teach me. He said, I, and God spoke to my heart. He said, that word's working, son. He said, it's setting them on one side of it or the other. This word goes forth, and God said, it sets you either on the obedient side or it sets you on the disobedient side. But he said, that word ain't returning void. But the problem is, it's setting them more on the disobedient side of it because they're unwilling to obey it. Friend, I'm telling you, that word of God does come forth and it does set you on one side or the other. It does accomplish what it's sent to do, friend. And I'll tell you, the word of God is quick and powerful. And when that river has the word of God flows, it's the washing of the pure water. And it either moves us into God or it moves us away from God. But one way or another, it moves. You, you can't sit there under the Word of God. That's why, you know, we know most of the time Word of God's not being preached in this nation because everything under the sun can sit right there and be okay. Doesn't bother them one bit. Oh, no, we, we, we got this cotton candy message anymore. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, just everything, you know, just a hodgepodge of a deal, whatever, just everything goes. And, you know, nothing's ever ever dealt with. Nothing's ever never addressed. We never see both sides of the Word of God. We just we highlight. Let me tell you the surest way to know a church and a ministry is headed for error. And that's when anything but Jesus is take anything is taking preeminence and it's over another thing. I always know something is headed for error when they highlight one thing over another. That becomes the supreme thing. And when that's become all that they preach and teach and, and talk about, that thing's headed for error every time. We're to preach the whole counsel of God. We're to preach the whole Christ. It's all of Him. Are you listening? It's the fullness of Him. And we fail to realize sometimes that this river of God when it flows. That's why I love the river. I want to be in that river, don't you? I want because I want life to be a continual reality in my life. And I want it washing away whatever it needs to wash away. But I'm telling you the will of God is for you to get in to that river. He doesn't want you to be a bystander. He doesn't want you missing out. He wants if you'll let him he'll lead you into the depths of those waters he wants you to experience his glory and it will become waters that cannot be passed over if you stay in that continual flow but I'll tell you what it does change everything forevermore you see that's why there's a lot of times a resistance to God's flow but these men and women alike were living in the fresh power of the Holy Ghost. You see, men and women that were previously accustomed to living under the bondage of a very law-based system were now filled and they were freed to breathe the celestial air of a grace-filled future. But the goodness that they demonstrated did not come from keeping certain laws or traditions. The light that they displayed did did not come from lamps in the temple and the code of ethics that they now operated by was not from the law of Moses but it was from the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4.33 says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You see the grace and power that they now possessed was producing in them an uncommon type of people that were living in an uncommon purity by an uncommon power. Listen, I want you to know that there is nothing commonplace about this spirit-filled life. There is nothing that is common about what we're doing here tonight. There is nothing usual about this holy convocation. And the moment it becomes that, we are doomed for failure. I want you to know this is an uncommon 
uncommon life by an uncommon God and the Lord has called us to walk in that that's the reason why the devil has made such an effort to hold it in to pull it back and to lock it up inside of a common prison when God birthed this church he not only baptized it but he filled and anointed it with the Holy Ghost the outpouring that took place on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was a fulfillment of prophecy it was always in the mind of God to have such a people we fail to recognize really the wonder of this breaking in of God in humanity that took place in this great text in Isaiah 28 and 11 it says for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people in Isaiah 32 and 15 he said until the spirit be poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest again Isaiah said in 44 3 and 4 I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring and they shall spring up among the grass as willows by the water courses well Joel prophesied the same thing in Joel 2 28 and 29 the notable verse that says and it shall come to pass afterward I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions and upon my handmaidens and upon my servants. When that those days will I pour out my spirit. Well John the Baptist picked up the same testimony in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 11 when he said I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire in Luke 24 and 49 Jesus carried on the same testimony when he said and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high Jesus again said in Mark 16 and 17 and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they will cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues you see what I'm letting you know tonight by the word of God if it's alright I, I know it seems kind of foreign to preach the scripture anymore but I'm just trying to lay a foundation for you and let you know that this isn't something we just started up at the turn of the 20th century brother this is something that's been going on for thousands of years God always had it in the mind Isaiah was a Holy Ghost man and so was Joel and so was John the Baptist and so was Jesus and I have the testimony that it's always been God's will to fill his people with the Holy Ghost and give them the evidence of another tongue can you say amen you see this promise this prophecy was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 I've already quoted it to you and I won't do it again but the promise that was fulfilled on that day was not something that was to ever stop it was something that was to continue on it made it evident by the testimony of Peter when he preached on that day with such power and such anointing he testified of the resurrection it said that Peter said to them in Acts 2 and 38 and 30 39. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it says in Acts 2 and 41 that they were gladly received the word, were baptized, and the same day were added about three. 
3,000 souls. What I want you to see here is that this promise was never something that was ever to stop. It didn't die with the apostles. Peter made it plain. It was to all the generations. As many as the Lord our God shall call. That means it's not just for us. It's for our children. It's for our grandchildren. It's for their children and their children. It's for all those that are afar off. It's God's will and plan to fill every believer and we know this by the word of God. When you look at Acts 2, there wasn't anybody missed in that room. It said all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It wasn't a matter of who just the only ones that wanted it. They all wanted it and they all got it, brother. Well, some people just get that. No, all of them got it because all of them wanted it. And all of us will have it if all of us want it because it's God's promise unto you. And if God's called you, then surely God would fulfill his word in your life. No doubt that the 3,000 souls that were added to the kingdom was an irritation to the devil. No question that when Peter preached that day, he gave witness that Jesus was not in the grave, but that he was alive and he was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He was seated at the right hand of God. He said to him whom you crucified, but God has raised up. And he said, "They, you who, who he, you crucified, has Jesus, has God made both Lord and Christ and he does pour out the things that you now see and hear. No question the devil was irritated by what had taken place. And so the initial effort of the adversary was to hold up this great work of God. It says in Acts 4 and 3, they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. It says that they wanted to, no question, to put them in a hold would tell us that they wanted to hold up what God was doing. Put them under observation in a prison you could say for a temporary time. He wanted to hold up what God was doing in the moment. That was his only effort to do. I don't know about you but I might have felt a little bit held up today. If God's done a work in your life this week then I promise you there's going to be an enemy come to try to hold the thing back. I can assure you that he does not want us to make any more headway than what we have made this week because I believe that we have been going somewhere in the Lord. I believe it's been the increase of his life and his power in us this week and I know that there's an effort of the devil to hold back everything. Whatever he could do tonight to hold up this ministry, hold up this message and to hold up this church, he will do have you ever felt something pulling on your friend? I can tell you what it is. The enemy is upset about where you're going. And the only thing he can do is try to hold you back. He does not want the spread of this Pentecostal flame that had begun to sweep that city. He wanted to hold it back. And that's why that there has always been such resistance and even rejection of such a message. I preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost all over this country and I can tell you that I haven't fought the enemy any harder than to preach this message. All wherever I've been, there is a resistance in this hour. It has been for some time. I know that God wants to fulfill his promise and there's an adversary that wants to hinder the believer from receiving it. I haven't felt the pushback probably on anything that I've ever preached across this land than to preach this great promise of the Father. And it's not just a promise, folks. It's the mountain peak of promise. It's the promise of the Father. That's what Jesus said that it was. That you and I could be recipients of God's life. The breaking in of the Lord in such a way that it overflows out of us into the world. There is an attack on this great truth of the Word of God. And for the most part in America, it doesn't matter with a major Pentecostal denomination or not. Most people in the pew are not filled less than more. There are less filled than there are filled. 
And you know that statistically. That's not a great revelation. You can pull up statistics to major Pentecostal denomination and know it's a very slim margin. Brother, how could that be? How could that be possible? We are not what we are by what we have on our sign. We are what we are by the experience alone. You understand that? We only are that by experience. It ain't just by what I say. It ain't just because I go to a church that has that name out there. It matters that if I am this by the experience. And I promise you that all of hell is against getting a hold of this message. You really think that the enemy has for God about what God did and accomplished through that 120 on the first day that the great Holy Spirit of God broke in to humanity. There's no way he forgot about it. He immediately went to work to hold up such a message. He, they could not deny that these men had been with Jesus. These were the same men, folks, that were just in denial just a 40-something days before. But something had happened to them. Something had taken place. Something had broke in. Something had broke through. They didn't preach like they used to preach. They didn't sing like they used to sing. They had a boldness that they didn't have. And even the crowd that was against them couldn't deny the fact these have been with Jesus. There's something they have. We cannot deny it. We cannot deny it. But the enemy has done everything he can to hold it up. I probably haven't felt more resistance of a service than I have even tonight. Preparing for this moment. Preparing for tonight. You know why? That enemy knew what we was going to get to. He knew the possibility of what could take place in this house. Friend, don't you ever limit what God could do in a single moment. I remember one time I, I went to a football game years ago. I, I was long for us. I was even married. I was single. I, I was in school at the time. My family... My dad used to carry season tickets up to basketball and football like. Well, nobody was going. We always played LSU on the day after Thanksgiving. And, and I was just at a time I didn't have nothing because I was at work that day for a part of the day. I had all the tickets. Nobody was going to the game. And I called a friend of mine that I grew up with. He lived in Little Rock at the time. Hadn't seen him in a long time. He's a childhood friend of mine. I, I knew he was single. He had a job down there, you know, just getting started. I, called him up, asked him if he wanted to meet me and go to the game. Well, we went to the game. And it was like usually how most Razorback games are. We're getting beat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, about the time, it, it was about halftime or so. I mean, the game was I mean, the game was already out of reach. And it was, it was just at the half. Well, you know how it is. You know, fans, they don't like to stick around too long for that. It's Thanksgiving. They'd rather get out and do something different anyway. So they go out to their cars. Well, you know how the stadium, they start filling out. They start filing out out there. Well, me and him just was just there talking. We wasn't even hardly paying attention to what was going on, just catching up with one another and whatnot. And as we're sitting there visiting, half the stand done left, all of a sudden it gets a little bit of a stirring in the crowd, a little roar. We see a little, little touchdown pass, and all of a sudden something else happens, and we get the ball back, and all of a sudden the crowd's coming alive, and, and the score's getting closer. We're thinking, my Lord, what, what in the world's happening here? I mean, we're coming down to the last second. We got the football on the last drive and throw a touchdown pass into the end zone with like three seconds left and take the lead in the game I'm telling you it went down at that time is what they call the miracle on Markham that's the street at the stadium it was the Little Rock Stadium where the game was played and there we said as eyewitnesses who are one of the greatest comebacks ever in the history of Arkansas football what are you saying brother Jeremy how can you make that spiritual I'll tell you how I make it spiritual. I had no expectation for that to take place. I didn't know that was going to happen. But before I knew it, I was right in the midst of one of the greatest moments in sports history for a thing. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you never know. When you come in on this Wednesday night, you may think it's just a Wednesday night, but it could be the night that God breaks in in power. 
This could be the night that we strike all, folks. I said this could be the night. The night when some people stayed home tired. The night when some people couldn't make it for whatever reason. The night we said it's the last night. Let's get to raising canes as soon as we can for some good fellowship. Well, I can't wait to fellowship with you either. But what if tonight is the night that we strike the oil, brother? What if it was on a Wednesday night in November that God broke in and done the most powerful thing this church has seen in years? Come on, lift your hands and say, God, do it, Lord, one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, if there's anything I've learned in this journey, man's got to live out of his spirit. That flesh can't dictate us. If I allowed that, I'm telling you, he'll rule the roost. We have natural bodies and natural minds. But God has helped me through the years, especially recently, to live out of my spirit. i got to be filled with the Holy Ghost to do that. There's been times I wanted to quit. Amen. There was a time not long ago, I was ready to go home, brother. We've been gone for already two weeks or something. I, I was just wanting to go home. The pastor knew I was in the area. He said, well, why don't you come by? I just had preached a full revival for him just a month probably before this. Well, I was back around that area. He wanted me to come by on the Sunday. I told Kay, I said, yeah, y'all can stay. They got, a, they got a nice place where they put us up and everything. I said, y'all can stay. But I'm telling you, it don't matter how nice. When you're ready to go home, you're ready to go home. And I was ready to go home. I mean, I packed that bag for the last time. Are you with me? I've been in the last restaurant I was going to be in for a while. Been in the last hotel room. Come on, somebody help me preach. I mean, I'm, I'm not a super spirit, folks. I am a human vessel as well. I just want you to know. I, I, I was getting in that. I told Kayla, I said, we're leaving at, at, right after the service. I mean, we're, we can't even eat. I mean, we just got to go. I'm ready to get home. I mean, I just, you know, we, <laughs> I, I just, it was just time. You know what I'm saying? I'm putting them bags in the car. I didn't even have a message. I, I said, I just preached eight services here. I feel like just said I ain't got nothing else, Brother Jacob. I said, I ain't even got a message to preach to. Can't even re-preach one. I mean, just nothing. I mean, I mean, there ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel no unction nothing. I, I just said, I'm, I'm putting everything in the, in the van. I'm just, I'm chunking it in there. I'm not even trying to organize the thing. I'm just getting it in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, I don't care. Let's just get all it in there and we'll get out, you know, whenever we can. Well, I, I did. I had, a, I had a thought I'd been kind of stewing on. I, there, there, was a little, there was a little fragment of something. I said, God, what am I going to do? What, I, what is the word for this house? I mean, you know, and I had this little fragment. I had a my mind. Well, that thing kind of got to rolling over in my spirit, and, and I just said, you know, I just got to go with that. I mean, notes, no notes, notes, whatever. I, I got this, I got just, it's this thought, and we're just going to go with it. You know what I'm saying? And see what the Lord may do. Well, I, lo and behold, about time we got into that message, boy, I felt we got into something. You know what I mean? Now, you may not know that, but that preacher knows. I mean, he knows when he strikes the, he knows when he uncovered a rock, or when he strikes oil or he got into the vein or something I mean you just feel that thing it just comes it's leaping in it's just flowing I mean you're hitting it and if the same it's amazing how this can happen folks that's the difference you know you got a spirit and you got a natural man and my spirit man I mean is laying into something I didn't know what it was but I knew we's into it we was into it and, and I knew at that same time that mind at the same time I'm my mind is saying he's going to ask me to stay for another service I, I, I knew it I knew and I, I knew when I was getting I almost wanted to hold up what I was saying because I knew I knew that pastor and, and I knew I said when we tapped it I said he's going to ask me to stay can you stay another service I don't believe God's through well I just you know I, I let the spirit man have preeminence and we just preached that thing until God was done and the Holy Ghost moved and guess who met me in the Altar. Brother Jeremy, you, you think you can stay? I, I feel like God's talking to us. Oh. No. No. <laughs> no. Well, I say all the time, that's what I'm out here for, preaching for revival. You can't get upset when it happens. You know, can't just be what you say. 
I said, well, this is what, I had nowhere else to be. I just was going home. I have another church to be at for a while, another week at least. And, he said, and so I said, amen, brother. I said, we'll do it. I'll be here. I mean, I just had revival here, okay? I mean, we're really about to depend on God, the supply, everything that's going to come forth for the next four. We end up going all the way through Wednesday night. But I say all that, this is when that time God was speaking to me. He said, he's telling me, son, you've got to live out of your spirit. You, you've got to learn to live. Your spirit man ain't tired. That's what you've got to learn. This spirit man is, doesn't get tired. He's always hungry for God. He's always He's ready to worship. He always wants to move a God. It's just this nature gets in the way of that. And he said, you got to live out of your spirit. Well, never did I begin to learn that lesson more than that time. And I'll tell you what, after that Sunday morning and we ate and all that stuff, can I tell you that God so refreshed my spirit? I mean, he so renewed me. I said, Lord, hallelujah. I felt a refreshing, not just in my spirit, but in my natural man. And I preached for Four more services. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, God is able to do it by the Holy Ghost. But see, that's what the enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want. And I say that because tonight, folks, is one of those nights where you kind of got to press a little. You know what I'm saying? You got to push a little harder. It's, it's always that place where we, we quit. We're about to be there. And it seems to be that's the place we quit. I mean, there's no, there's no more resistance than right before that breakthrough, brother. No more resistance than right before something happens. See, that enemy knows that. And it could be the cause of some of us feeling today like we're being held back. But he said we would receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon us and we would be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The devil wants to hold you back from God's will for your life. He wants to keep you from making a kingdom impact Silence your testimony. Remove your witness because he does not want you filled with power. He does not want you to be strengthened, edified, nor does he want you praying the perfect will of God. And that's exactly what this Holy Ghost baptism does. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit by the Spirit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. It says in verse 4, he speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself Jude 1 and 20 says but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost what these verses are telling me is when I pray in the spirit I'm praying directly to God I'm not talking to men I'm talking to God and when I'm talking to God I'm edifying myself and do you think for one second the devil wants you edifying yourself? Do you think he wants you talking directly to God? Building up yourself in your most holy faith and Romans said that when we speak in the spirit we pray and knows our infirmities it helps us because we do not know what we ought to pray but it says that the spirit by itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession session for the saints according to the will of God. Not only do I talk straight to God, I edify myself, build myself up in my holy faith, and guess what else? I pray the perfect will of God. Now can't you see why the enemy would want to hold up such a thing? It says in chap verse chapter 4, verse number 5, it says, And it came to pass that the rulers and the elders and scribes, it goes on to say, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and many with the kindred of the high priest gathered together in Jerusalem when they had set them in the midst. And they said, By what power or name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said, You rulers of the people, 
people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done by the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to you all that all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside to the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed a notable miracle has been done and is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further, let us tell to the people, let us straightly threaten them that they may speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will give us boldness to declare the Lord's name with power. I've experienced this in moments where fear tried to grip my heart in certain environments and even the threatenings of other things. They're sneaking us in. We're over in India. They're sneaking us in. Their government has conversion law, all this kind of stuff. They've been really pressing on the church. They sure don't want them connected with any American for sure. And they're coming in sin. They're telling us we're, and, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, there's in the middle of a three-day festival where they worship some goddess that represents destruction. And for three days, they're over there doing this. They've got somebody, they got schools out, work banks are closed, all that. And they said, God said to me, he said, yeah, you know, it's really a little bit of a dangerous time to be here. I said, well, wouldn't, come on, Jesus, wouldn't you do that? I mean, just put me right up in the middle. I'm telling you, folks, there's only one explanation how I've got myself in the situations I got myself in. And I just know God must really know I'm either stupid and, and just won't pay, and just, just crazy enough to do it. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or maybe he just hides the stuff from me until I, it's too late to know about it. But in those moments where fear tries to grip your heart and you think maybe something might could have happened, I'm telling you, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, I have felt God so full in the Spirit at times. I knew how it's possible for you to die martyr. There's been moments where God so filled me. I said, Lord, if it happened right now, I could die martyr's death because there's something that's got a hold of me beyond my human capacity. There's a power and a boldness. It's the Holy Ghost. It's God, the Holy Ghost. Amen. He'll, you can face it, folks. You can face any demonic threat. You're listening. God fills you with the Holy Ghost. He gives you words of power. You're not afraid. That's what the Spirit does. That's what we need in this hour. Everybody wants to tuck tail and run. The church is afraid. They're afraid to skin their toe in this hour. There's no other reason why we're like that anymore in this natural world. It's because we prefer the natural man over the spiritual. And Jesus said, you do that, you lose that life. Prefer that natural man more than the spiritual. He that saves his life will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake, he'll find it. See, we learn there's no impact ever made. When natural, the natural man's preferred over the spiritual. He'll never make a difference. We'll never do nothing. We won't do anything. We won't even come to church. Half people won't even come. Amen. I told I was going to preach short tonight, so I'm going to get back to my notes. But I just want you to know that this Bible, get, the Word of God gives us boldness. And you know what they did under such a threatening? Here's what they did. They went to their, to their company. 
Chapter 4 it says, then in chapter number 4 they went to their own company and they held a prayer meeting there. And God's promise would continue as they were refilled with the Holy Ghost. It says that they prayed in particular fashion. Lord, thou art God, which made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in it. He said, you have spoken by the mouth of David. See, they knew who they prayed to, friend. They knew where they were going. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Say, when he did, the place was shaken and they were all filled and spake the word of God with boldness. And that revival continued to spread. And it says it in more believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the city round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and were those vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. Don't you know that the devil is wringing his hands in fury? And that's why it says in verse 17 of chapter 5 that the high priest rose up and they that were with them and it says were filled with indignation but that indignation is only the proof that what they had was real the devil never gets upset when you don't have the reality of it he only gets indignation whenever there's something of realness taking place and when God the real Holy Ghost shows up you'll find out who is a part of that religious crowd because you never seen such indignation rise up among people. He'll have you put out of town, brother. Amen. I've lived that. Amen. They're going to put you out. You know what I'm saying? That When that, that thing comes, when that, that sword really pierces, that, that's going to be indignation because it's the realness that the enemy's after. It's the realness. He don't care if we just come, go through, get, get a little doodad every once in a while. He don't matter if you come in this revival and just got a little touch. He, he, just, he, want, he does not want real transformation in your life. But when I preach the word of God, I expect there to be transformation in the lives of God's people. I need more than a touch. I need to be transformed. I need to be changed into his image. That's what the word of God does, saints. But the enemy has so come because he's so threatened by this message, it's made too much of an impact. I'm telling you, God will feel to the uttermost him that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. The blessing of that, that is you will be filled. And I've watched God fill people from the front to the back, from the young to the old, from every background under the sun. I've seen God fill people with the Holy Ghost. There's only one church that the devil's afraid of, and it's the Pentecostal church. A spirit-filled people. That's the only thing he's afraid of. And he knows he can't stop the thing. And so his only effort is to put it in a prison. Notice that the scripture says it was called a common prison. Now that's common. is, I believe, something very significant here. Because a common prison is a very strategic effort of the enemy. Because he knows he cannot stop this. It's impossible to stop the thing. He tried to hold it up. The Holy Ghost filled him, gave him greater boldness. They wasn't praying for protection, brother. They were praying for boldness. And they got boldness. And the devil knew he's in trouble because nothing's going to stop these men. I mean, they've threatened them. They've done everything they can to threaten them, push on them, press them, persecute them. And they keep growing. And they get stronger and stronger and bolder and bolder even in the face of whatever that may come against them. This boldness was supernatural. And because the enemy knew he cannot hold up this spirit-filled life, he made every effort to lock it up. It is a strategic effort to put it in a common prison. And this is exactly what we have witnessed in this modern lifetime. To put something and make it common is to make it look like everything else. The devil has done his dead-level best to put us in the prison of a common prison and lock us up with every other kind. 
kind of religion, every other kind of religious experience. He wanted to mesh us together to where there was no threat. We're just like everybody else. There was a day it cost to be a Pentecostal. They'd meet you at the edge of town and say, you're kind and welcome here. But whenever it was accepted, they put us in a common prison. It joined us up with every other kind of a thing. And we lost our distinctiveness. And that's why more people, less people are filled than aren't. Than, than are, should are filled. To be common. That word common there means public. It's from a root word that means the public as bound together socially. Tell me this ain't what happened with the Pentecostal church. Bound together socially. It becomes something other than spiritual. In nature, it becomes social and soulish and sensual. And though all those things can have aspects of being spirit-filled, it's not the same thing as the true fire of the Holy Ghost. There's a difference in just stirring up a passion than really kindling a flame and spiritual in nature. God, the Holy Ghost. But we've made this thing a social club. We've made it where you can't tell there's any difference between us and the water down church down the road because the enemy has locked us up bound us together socially and we lost our spiritual edge that's been the tactic of the devil mix it up dilute it blend it in make it acceptable to the world and when you do that you put people in common prisons living common lives looking just like everybody else being ordinary being no distinctiveness no difference and simply just blending and meshing and molding together with every other kind of confession out there. But I want to tell you, God never birthed this to be like that. This is an other than life. This is supernatural. This is uncommon, friend. And Pentecost and Spirit-filled people are not common people. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's nothing common about us coming together like this tonight. There's nothing common about us being filled with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing common about gathering for three, four nights in a row. And if we allow the devil, he'll lock us up tonight and say, you know what? It's just Wednesday night, preacher. Give us a break. I mean, you've been pushing on us for four services. Give us a break. I felt that pressure. I felt that in sitting in the office, Pastor. It's just, it's just Wednesday, son. Come on. They worked all day. You know who's going to be there. You know they ain't going to care what you say anyway. I'm just telling you, you know thoughts. I'm not saying that was truth. I'm just saying that's the thoughts that's coming to me. Just, just drum something up. Just get a scripture. Just, just teach a scripture. Just get out there. Just get on with it. You know, 30 minutes, get on. Everybody be happy. They'll love you. Man told me, he said, son, preach short. They'll love you no matter where it's good or bad. <laughs> Amen. That's pretty good advice, actually. <laughs> but I felt that pressure. The common prison. Let's just get on. But, friend, let me tell you something. Life's too short to live in the common prison. It's common to go to hell. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's uncommon to go to heaven. Narrow is the way. The straight is the gate leads to life. See, we're not commoners. We're uncommon. It's, it's, it's uncommon to be washed in the blood. It's even more uncommon to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. With the evidence speaking in tongues. That's uncommon, saints. This ain't common. Sister Carolyn, are you going to help me tonight, sister? Encourage these people. 
I want you to know, well, all of us will face this temptation of the devil to lock us up in such a way. But this ain't common, friend. And the moment you make this common is a moment you're going to lose the touch of God. The moment that we lose the fact that this is an uncommon way is a moment we get used to this. Think about that. The millions and billions of people that are going to hell right now. If, if, if all of this was to come to the end, billions will go to hell. We wouldn't. It's uncommon to be here tonight. It's uncommon to know Jesus. It's uncommon to have access to God in prayer. It's uncommon to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. man said to me one time, Brother Gary, he said, You must come from a line of Pentecostal preachers. I said, My dad was a Catholic. <laughs> I said, I... I said, man, I wish you was right. I said, I got to thinking about that. I said, you know, really I do. Got to thinking. I said, you know, Jesus was the firstborn of a whole new race. I know he's Pentecostal, friend. When he comes out of the cloud, there's going to be a shout before there's a trumpet. Oh, yeah. It's not common. My, grand, my, great, my grandmother, she would, my dad, he supported me whole, completely, totally. Got, got really saved in one time I preached, actually. And I, but my grandmother, she's a little more hesitant. Now, see, my dad was raised, I'm talking about, he's born in Brooklyn, New York. He's raised very strict Roman Catholic, went to Catholic school. Went to, now, he never tried to put me in that. My grandparents were, my great-grandparents, I told you about another night, they're Pentecostal. But my dad you know, was raised that way, you know, and my grandmother, she'd say, Jeremy, she'd always want to come, think about come hear me preach. She said, are they going to run on the backs of the pews if I come? I said, well, I said, you know, I've never seen it done, Grandma. I said, but no guarantees, nothing. I can't tell you. I had a cousin of mine come one time, never been in a Pentecostal church. This is why I know God's not ashamed of this. My cousin came, I said her, she sat by us, me and Kayla sat by there, she, she sat there, a lady, we know everybody sits usually where they normally sit, a lady in our church that normally don't sit behind us, sat behind us, prayed in the Holy Ghost the whole entire time. God showed me something right then. God planted that lady there. See, God don't hide this stuff. We, we try to hide it. God don't hide this. This is a sign for the unbeliever. The gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of them to come in and say, Of a truth, God is among them people. See, God don't hide the thing. He planted that lady there to pray in the Holy Ghost the whole time through worship, everything. I mean, just I, I'm sitting there. I'm just the whole time. I'm watching her. She's uncomfortable, brother. But God showed me. He said, I'm going to show them. You know what I'm saying? He waited till everybody was in Jerusalem, folks. The head of every house had to be there on the day of Pentecost. There's a reason why God waited till the day of Pentecost had fully come. It's so everybody could be there for it. He ain't doing this in a corner. My grandma, she said, I said, I can't promise you, Grandma. Well, she was sick in the hospital, and I went in there. Meets me and her. I prayed for her. I don't know what was going on with her at the time, just being her in there. I said, Grandma, let's pray. Well, you know, you get to pray, and... and all of a sudden, I, I, somebody else is coming into that room. And there's no doctor or nothing. I mean, just, but God, the Holy Ghost, he come up in there. I felt him. He's there. He's right there. She said, Jeremy, I feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> See, we get used to it. Are you hearing me? We just get used to it. She said, I feel the Holy Spirit. I said, Amen. Every time, from that time forward, anytime we got together, any gathering, anything, she said, I want Jeremy to pray. You know, before we eat, there's all just a bunch of heathen. So he said, I want Jeremy to pray. She said, Because I feel the Holy Spirit when Jeremy prays. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! 
What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this is not common, brother. And the second you let the devil put us in this prison and try to dilute this thing, I'm telling you, there's an attack on this fullness of this message. Hell has done everything he can to bind this thing socially, water down our message, water down our pulpits. We've got this mealy mouth generation, but we need men with the fire in their belly that will declare the word of the Lord again in this hour. We need men filled with the Holy Ghost. Because this ain't common. Stand with me if you will tonight. You know I'm not preaching, but I'm going to quit. Because I want you to know that tonight, no matter what the enemy tries to do, it's an effort to lock us up. And make this a commonplace thing. For him, there's an attack on it tonight. But tonight, I believe I'm with some people. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that this is an uncommon way, folks. Pentecost produces uncommon people living in uncommon purity by an uncommon power. That's the effects of this baptism. Can we lift up our hands to the Lord right now? Father, we just praise you. Father, we just lift up your name in this house. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you, God, for the commitment of people, Lord. I thank you for the reminding, God, that your spirit does, Lord, continually remind us, God, that we are not common people. We are called to live a common life. We are not called just to go through the motions of life, but we are called out ones. We are peculiar people. We are chosen people. We are set apart people. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir something down in the depths of your people here tonight. Lord, that there would be a stirring. Lord, not something that will be easily forgotten, but something that just begins this week. Something that begins to roll over and begin to stir. And this begins the beginning works of a real outpouring of God in Beaumont, Texas. Lord, let this vessel be the hub of an outpouring of your spirit, God. Give us people that know this is not a common life. This is not a common way. And you have not called us to live in such a prison. But the angel of the Lord is here tonight to open the prison door and say, you can go free. You can step out into uncommon power here tonight in the name of Jesus. I want to open this altar up tonight, friend. I know it's the last night, but can you press in tonight? Come on. There's somebody that needs to walk out of your common prison. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, then tonight's your night to get baptized with the Spirit. The promise is unto you. Maybe it's been a long time. Well, tonight before we go, would you lift up holy hands without after doubting tonight and say Lord break me out of my complacency break me out of this common mentality I've been called and chosen and set apart for your eternal will set us free tonight Lord may we live as a peculiar crowd again fill us to overflowing God pour your spirit in this house Lord let deep call to deep stir the innermost being God come on say let the rivers of living water just flow from your innermost being. Just believe his word tonight. The promise is for you. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water this spanky of the Holy Ghost which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified come on saints our children need it our children's children we must demonstrate that Jesus is alive in this hour come on let's believe him it's time to walk out victory it's time to step out victory temple step out of complacency step out of comfort Get hungry again. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. God did not call this church to be like every other church. I said he did not call this church to be like every other church.